Welcome to Taking the Plunge with Marissa Woods and Mara Seiler Price. We are two people who never thought we would be doing this, but here we are giving it a try and taking the plunge. We are so excited to meet and share the stories of so many people who have made significant changes in their lives and taken their own plunge. We hope you'll take this journey with us. We are here with Lisa Goodman Helfand, who is an author, speaker, consultant, educator, and founder of Comfortable in My Thick Skin. Lisa has lived with a rare autoimmune disorder, scleroderma, since she was 10 years old. She shares this experience, as well as the 218 days she spent in the hospital with audiences all over the world, motivating them to face life's obstacles with grit and resilience. Lisa is also an award-winning writer and has written the memoir, Does This Hospital Gown Come With Sequence? and has been featured in many national publications. Welcome, Lisa. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Yes, thank you very much. So take us back to the day that you were first diagnosed and what you remember about that day. Sure. So previously, before the day of diagnosis, I had been seeing a dermatologist for what he thought were warts all over my hands. Um, And that was for two years. I would go to his office and he would freeze them off. They were not warts. They were one of the first symptoms of scleroderma, which is calcium deposits. And by just happenstance, he happened to be unavailable on a Friday afternoon in 1985 when um, I was just in tremendous pain. So my mom took me to a different dermatologist and the dermatologist held my hands in his hands for like 30 seconds. And he looked at my mom and he said, your daughter has scleroderma. And when you started learning more about the disease, again, what comes to mind of what you remember once you learn more about it? So I kind of have a very strange learning experience about learning about scleroderma because in 1985, there was no such thing as Google. And so I only knew what my mother told me. And basically, my mom just said to me, you have something called scleroderma. It's no big deal. It's just that your skin is going to be tighter than everybody else's, but you're completely fine. There's nothing to worry about. You're totally fine. And really, my entire childhood until I was 19 years old, I thought I had tight skin. And I, you know, developed all types of physical altering of my appearance. You know, my mouth got very tiny, my hands got very bony and strange looking. I developed telangiectasia, which are really broken capillaries, but they look like purple and red dots all over my body. Um, My arms became deformed. I looked very different from my peers, but it was never discussed in my house. I was really didn't have any tools in my toolbox in terms of how to respond to people when they said, what's wrong with you? It was a daily thing for me for so long. I would hear people whispering, what's wrong with her? And looking back on it, I'm like, oh my God, like how am I not more screwed up? Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) But I think I I had such unbelievable friends Mm -hmm. and that made all the difference to me. How did you respond? And again, like what was it like like during adolescence having this disease at that time? So adolescence, I think, was a particularly 
difficult mm-hmm. time mm-hmm. <laughs> for a large variety of reasons. As it is for most people. As it is mm-hmm. for most people, absolutely. So when people would say, what's wrong with you? I would say, I have a skin condition and it makes my skin tighter. Let's yes. talk about your dating. You know, again, <laughs> having this disease, how sure. that affected, if it affected your dating. So I did not date anyone in high school. I think I had a date in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a friend who you know, took me to homecoming once, but there was definitely no interest mm-hmm. from, from boys. So, uh, I knew there wasn't a shot in hell of anyone being interested in me. So I, I was one of those people who like, I wouldn't even let myself have a crush on someone because I was, well, that's mm-hmm. never going to happen. Uh, and then I got to college and then my sophomore year, I met my husband and I always say there is one person on this earth who makes me feel truly beautiful, and that is my husband. Mm. Because everybody else can say you're beautiful, Lisa, or, you know, oh, whatever, whatever they want to say. But he saw me. And then you moved forward, and you married this man, and you had a child, (laughs) and you had a second child. And there were some complications from that birth, as I understand. Yeah. Unfortunately, about 12 hours after my daughter's birth, I suffered grave complications. And essentially, the Reader's Digest version Mm -hmm. is that I developed a massive infection in my abdomen after my daughter was born due to a variety of issues. You know, there was some misdiagnosis of preeclampsia. There was some miscommunication with medical team. And long story short, I ended up staying in the hospital 218 days after my daughter was born. So many times my family was told that I wasn't going to make it. I had to have my colon removed. And after that, my family was told probably Lisa's not going to make it 48 hours. My son, you know, was three at the time. My daughter was a newborn and things spiraled just wildly out of control. So I ended up having nine major surgeries Mm. in an effort to rid my body of this massive infection that had really just hijacked my whole entire body and system. For several months, I had a tracheotomy, so I couldn't speak. I was on a ventilator. Well, then I was given a tracheotomy. Um, I deconditioned to the point where I was really essentially temporarily paralyzed. So I couldn't move anything, really. My mom would come to the hospital every night and brush my teeth for me. Mm. And I endured uh, severe ICU psychosis because I was in the ICU for so long. So I was hallucinating and very delusional. And I couldn't speak to anyone and I couldn't write anything down because I was temporarily paralyzed. So I was essentially locked in, in this just world of total hallucinations. What, what got you through that period? I know this sounds really weird, but I think that because I had had a lot of previous trauma in my life, I think that had kind of given me a very large reserve of resilience. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, from a very young age, I had a lot of trauma. My father was uh, bipolar and my parents divorced when I was six years old. So I had a lot of, you know, trauma at home. And obviously growing up with scleroderma is not an easy thing to do. And I I always joke, I'm a very stubborn person. And I just was not going to leave my kids or my husband and family and loved ones. But I just... 
I had a newborn and a three-year-old at home. And I was just not having any other outcome. (laughs) Were there any moments whatsoever where you felt like, I just, I don't know if I can do this anymore? Oh, yes. Like every day. (laughs) Um, Oh, for sure. So my mom would come every night. Many nights I couldn't speak, but when I could speak, I would say, mom, I can't make it another day. There's no, I'm not really alive. And I give my mom a lot of credit for this because as much as I disagree with the way she went about handling my scleroderma, the thing she really taught me, she is like a no nonsense kind of, you know, toughen up buttercup, you know, (laughs) like, um, and she would look at me every night And she would say, Lisa, you have to, you have to keep going. You have two kids at home. Mm -hmm. So after 218 days in the hospital, coming home was like what for you? It was probably one of the scariest things I've ever done because I was so terrified of going back Mm -hmm. because at some point during the 218 days, they did send me home for about four days and it was an utter and complete disaster and I ended up back in the emergency room and my mind just kept going back to that so I went home I was still in a wheelchair and rebuilding a relationship with my son who was then almost four was probably the most devastating part because when I went in to have my daughter he was three And, you know, I was his whole world. Mm -hmm. And I told him, mom, he's coming home with your new baby sister in four days. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. he couldn't wrap his head around what the heck happened to my mom. Mm -hmm. And then this woman who's, you know, in a wheelchair and weighing under 80 pounds comes home. Well, this isn't my mom, Mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. So his, our rebuilding took years. Mm -hmm. Same with my husband. It was a battle. It was an uphill battle because he had been alone for the worst part of his entire life. And I had been alone. I mean, I was never alone, of course, but but we had both had to go through this hell separately. Mm-hmm. Whereas like in a marriage, you're supposed to be, that's supposed to be your person mm-hmm. who's, who's with you. And so it took many, many years to rebuild our marriage. It was, yeah, it was isolating on many levels, especially when I tried to meet people who hadn't known me before. Mm-hmm. You know, my son was in preschool at the time, so I met all these women. People thought I was an elderly woman. You know, bald, with a tracheotomy bandage that's hissing, walking with a walker. <laughs> you know, I was 31 years... No, at that time I was 32. I was 32 when I came home. So it was just, how can I enter this world of, you know, 30-something moms and try to establish myself as, as, a, as a peer when this is what I look like to people. Um, and that was very isolating. So can you take us to Facebook now? You became nationally <laughs> yes. you know, known basically after you posted a picture of yourself on Facebook. So if sure. you can tell us sort of what led you to do that and the aftermath of doing that. Sure. So I started my blog, Comfortable in My Thick Skin, in the end, tail end of 2014. And the whole purpose of the blog really was to elevate awareness for scleroderma, but also to touch on topics such as you know, parenthood and overcoming obstacles and embracing inner beauty and acceptance of people who are different from you. You know, all of those were themes that I was writing about. So in order to illustrate that, I felt like I needed to post a picture of myself where I looked, for no other term, my absolute worst. So I 
had never, ever, ever shown a picture of myself without makeup. And I went to great lengths to not let people see me without makeup. Uh, in college, in my sorority house, I would literally like be the first one in the bathroom in the morning. So, I, you know, I was like a super sleuth when it came to not letting people see me without makeup. If, you know, if I knew someone was coming over, I'd wake up early to make sure my makeup was on. Friends, my kids' friends sleeping over, makeup must be on before anyone wakes up. So I was religious about it. And I decided to post a picture of myself without any makeup. I reached out to a woman who also has scleroderma by the name of Chanel White. And I said to her, Chanel is this gorgeous, at the time she was 22 years old, gorgeous woman who has scleroderma, but you wouldn't be able to tell by looking at her. And Chanel, I posted a picture of her next to me, um, this gorgeous picture. And then I wrote the article. You won't, you, I think it was titled like, you won't believe the story of these two faces or something like that. And at the bottom of the article, I posted another picture of me in full makeup and Chanel with her feeding tubes and her IVs and just showing you really can't know what's going on, you know, just by looking at someone. And the post went wildly, you know, it was wildly popular. Mm -hmm. It was shared over several thousand times and it seemed to really resonate with people. So I went ahead and I, I uh, got a little, Facebook always pops things up on the screen like, would you like to pay $20 to boost your post mm -hmm. and advertise? Like, okay, I, I can shell out the 20 bucks, <laughs> you know? And um, so I, I paid my $20 uh, to the Facebook ad team. And then I received a message back saying, your ad was not approved due to the fact that your photo may draw high negative feedback. And we recommend that you redo this so that it does not draw high negative feedback. So I got this and I was like, well, that's kind of a bummer. You know, first time <laughs> I ever, ever in my life, you know, show a photo of myself without any makeup and Facebook. I mean, they're called freaking Facebook <laughs> and they obviously don't like my face. Mm -hmm. So I wrote back to the Facebook ad team explaining in detail. Oh, they also said that they don't, um, they won't allow before and after pictures. And so what they thought, I mean, it was a computer that thought this, it wasn't yeah. a human being, was that there was some algorithm that looked at the picture of myself and Chanel and thought I was doing a before and after. So I wrote a long letter explaining this is not a before and after. These are two different people. We're trying to elevate awareness for a rare autoimmune disease, blah, 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 blah. Okay. I send it off and I get another response, another computerized response. It's so funny because they sign someone's name. You know, it would be like oh, Rachel or, or, or Dave or, you know, all these people. Um, and it was like the same exact automated response. So then I tried a third time. And at this point, I was very upset. Um, and I wrote a third letter, got the same automated response. So I was very upset. I mean, I was in the bathroom crying like a 10 year, you know, 12 year old probably. Um, it was like adolescence all over again. Mm -hmm. It was mm -hmm. like sure. your face sucks basically. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and you're not normal and you're not beautiful. And we can't even put you on Facebook mm. again, face. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh my God. So, right. So I was like, okay, I'm going to put my big girl pants on and I'm going to write another blog post. And I wrote a blog post saying Facebook doesn't like my face. And I explained everything that happened. I put the copies of the letters, blah, blah, blah. And it went like berserko. So it went wild. 
and I was contacted by um, by Canada's Yahoo, <laughs> um, <laughs> and they wanted to do an interview with me. So I said, okay. So they interviewed me, mm-hmm. and then they were able to get like an apology from Facebook or something crazy. So I was getting all these media requests, and it was going viral. So we launched a campaign called Face Off for Scleroderma, mm-hmm. where we challenged people, um, not just women, but men as well, to take a picture of themselves without any makeup, post it on social media, and then tag three friends and ask them to do the same. And we had a big launch, and I came out in public for the very first time ever in my life without any makeup on. I was, beside myself, terrified. Mm-hmm. Uh, the media was there. They wanted to interview me, and I was like locked in a room with my wonderful friend Michelle who was trying to you know talk me off a ledge because I was like what did I do <laughs> you know um and it was like one day I'm you know Lisa a health fan teacher you know and mother of two right? <laughs> and then the next day it's like my friends are we just saw you in people magazine or you just went through my feed and you know so all this attention someone from Great Britain wanted to buy my rights wow. like oh and like people were approaching me to do a reality show I you know, <laughs> and then it kind of died down. Mm-hmm. And it was like, for all those months in the hospital, I was very voiceless, obviously, quite literally mm-hmm. and figuratively. And really during my childhood, I felt very mm-hmm. voiceless for a large variety of reasons, not just having the scleroderma, but with my childhood and family members and all kinds of stuff. And I really felt like I'm going to show the world I have a voice, mm-hmm. like you can't shut me up. Mm-hmm. And so it was a momentous moment, you know, here I am, (laughs) you know, you can't erase me. Mm -hmm. And that's, I felt that's what Facebook was trying to do. Mm -hmm. Your face isn't even good enough to be Mm -hmm. put on Facebook. Mm -hmm. And the, the amount of support I got, I got letters from people all over the world and just, it really resonated Mm -hmm. with people because I think to a certain degree, everyone feels that way. You know, it was, this was obviously a very um, extreme case, Mm -hmm. but I think, you know, nobody wants to be made to feel invisible. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, the key here is no one can really make you feel invisible, Mm -hmm. you know, if you voice, if you shout loud enough. Mm -hmm. Well, with all these incredible things you've done, and again, so many, too many to count, (laughs) we can think of numerous plunge moments you've had throughout your life. But what would you say is your biggest plunge moment thus far? So funny, because I asked my husband, Mm -hmm. and he's like, face off for scleroderma, of course. Um, and I was like, yeah, but I feel like there were other plunges in my life, you know, like deciding to live, you know, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, like, cause there were definitely moments when I was sick and I say this not to be one of those freaky people who almost died and says, I saw a white light or whatever, you know, but there were moments where I feel very, um, I felt very certain that if I was willing to give up, then I could have just closed my eyes and kind of given up and died. Um, so I think that is a plunge moment, mm-hmm. you know, when you kind of make a conscious decision, no, I'm not going to do that. But then I have to agree with my husband, Dave. <laughs> I think that face off for scleroderma, mm-hmm. that is, and what, before when we talked and you said, what was the moment in your life where you look down and you don't know, you know, all you see is nothing. Mm-hmm. Like you don't know what's mm-hmm. going to happen. And I think the decision I made to fight Facebook on it, you know, yeah. that to me, it was like, are you going to go quietly mm-hmm. and just let this lie yeah. or are you going to fight it? Mm-hmm. And that was, I think, my biggest plunge. And it's it's a symbol of people who are marginalized. Mm-hmm. And I think that was the point. And that notion 
that you're different, Mm -hmm. so you can't be here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I I truly think that was my plunge moment. What I love about the two plunge moments that you (laughs) talked about, when you were at those crossroads, you did it for other people who can um, empathize with what you're going through and relate to it. Well, thank you. And again, I don't really think it's unbelievable. I really think it was it <laughs> just a culmination of life experiences. If people want to find, before we get to our final few questions, sure. if people want to find you and find out more <laughs> about you and read your book and your blog, where can they find you? So you just go to, I'm old, so I say www <laughs> before the website. Um, you go to www.comfortableinmythickskin.com. <laughs> it's all there. Awesome. Awesome. That's incredible. All right. So our final few questions, the first one being, if there was something you could do more of, what would that be? I would love to do more of public speaking. Okay. It is a profound experience when I get to do it. And there is no other thrill like it in my life. Um, What has been your biggest lesson through all of this? Okay. I'm going to synthesize here because this (laughs) this is what I tell my students. You have three choices in life. You can give up, you can give in, or you can give it all you've got. I did not make that up. I got it on some, you know, teacher pay teacher <laughs> poster. Um, but to me, that is, that is life. You always have a choice. Mm-hmm. There's always a choice. As long as you have some breath left, which, mm-hmm. you know, as you know, I kind of did not. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a choice. Mm-hmm. And you can be bitter or you can make it better. So if you choose to be bitter, which believe me, I've had my days, Mm -hmm. um, you're really not doing anything for yourself Mm -hmm. and you're really not doing anything for anyone else because your bitterness is contagious. Mm -hmm. And it's the same for if you try to make it better. That's also contagious. And that also makes an impact. So it's like every choice you have in life, which way are you going with Mm -hmm. it? Try to be better, not bitter, Mm -hmm. and try to give it all you've got. What are you the most grateful for? My family and friends. I always say, and my family will not be surprised or offended, my family is crazy, but it's all out of love. Life is not a solo journey. Mm-hmm. There, I just firmly believe that. You don't get through life unless you have people carrying you when you are too weary to walk. Did everything that happened, you know, and, and, and I really do mean kind of in its entirety, but particularly those 218 days in the hospital, change the way that you parent your children? A hundred percent, yes. And I think that, so parenting is so hard, no matter who you are. Yes, indeed. Yes. (laughs) And when I came home, I really had forgotten how to be a mother. So I was rebuilding every aspect of my life, including being a mother. But what I've tried to teach both of my kids is that you are no better or worse than anybody else in this world. Mm -hmm. And everybody here has value. And I want you to try to see the value in others and understand that value should not be attached to something you were born with. Mm -hmm. So see people for who they made themselves. Mm -hmm. See people for the value that they contribute to the world and try to be accepting of other people. And everything is not a big deal. Mm -hmm. You know, like dying is a big deal. Mm -hmm. Short of dying, Mm -hmm. really, it's okay. How are you feeling right now? I'm a really happy person. Mm-hmm. I really am. I, I, I love my life. Mm-hmm. I love my husband. I love my kids. I love my family. I love my friends. I am so happy. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, your story, your spirit, your courage, your sense of humor, 
It's so inspirational, truly. And we're so lucky that you are still continuing to share your story and hopefully will continue to share your story because it's so powerful. It's so meaningful and hopeful and every other positive word that could possibly be truly like well, you have you. such an incredible spirit that's so contagious and we just again we're just so grateful that you're here sharing your story again and hope that you continue to do so thank you, you both so story. much this was so much fun oh good I'm so glad and I really hope that people read your book it was incredible and you just have so much to say and so much to share and you're so damn funny yes you really are <laughs> Well, tell my children that because they don't think I'm funny at all. No child ever thinks they're funny. It's just a rule. In exactly. Story, an unwritten rule. Yeah, I am so not funny at home. Well, me too. We think you're pretty funny. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so thank much. You again.